Welcome to the Victory Multisport Podcast. This is Coach Sarge, and I'm with Coach Scott. Hey there. Coach Kenny. What's up? And for part two, we've got Ben Earl Jack back. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks for coming back, Ben. We appreciate uh, getting a little deeper into your story and and talking more about it. So um, last time we talked about how you really, you know, grew up as an athlete and, and went into college and was an athlete, made a run at the NFL, a lot of different things. And so in this episode, we wanted to take that further. And now, now you are, you're a blue skies triathlete. You, um, have, you know, gotten into some, uh, 70.3 distance and, and that type of thing. But what was your first true triathlon, whether it was on that hybrid bike or it was on your okay. new bike that you, that you picked up from Garvin down at the, uh, uh, Trizilla. Trizilla store, yeah. right? What was that first one? Yeah, so uh, the Pittsburgh Triathlon. Um, okay. So the Pittsburgh Triathlon for me was like my Super Bowl early on in triathlon. And, uh, you know, in, in the last uh, episode, I talked a little bit about uh, the swim being so much outside of my comfort zone. Right. Uh, the Pittsburgh Triathlon was the first open water swim triathlon that I did. Uh, it was an Olympic distance, so at that point early on, it was a longer distance because I had only done sprints at that point. And um, so I would be swimming in the Allegheny River here in Pittsburgh and then um, biking and running farther than I had in previous races. So for me, that was like my Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took a lot of maybe even more mental preparation than physical uh, the swim for sure, uh, swimming in open water causes a lot of anxiety. And, uh, I, I teach at Mount Lemon high school. So I would travel to work, uh, over the bridges that go over the Allegheny river. And I intentionally made the decision that every day on the way to work and the way home, I would look down at the river where we would swim and I would imagine myself swimming in the river. Um, because as an athlete, visualization was always an important part of, of achieving the goal. Right. And right. I, I knew the, fir- the race, when I did the race, would be the first time that I would be in that water, but I didn't want it to be the first time I would be in that water. Right. You know, I Mentally. wanted it to be like the 50th. Sure. Um, so everything that I imagined would would have already been been happening. Cool. Yeah. So for that, other than the visualization, were you trying to get into other open water, or were you still just pool training? Uh, that at swim? that time, I was just pool training because so you hadn't found moraine, or you hadn't found other places to just right be in dark water where you can't see anything, right? That type of thing. At that time, I was swimming with a group of teachers at Mount Lebanon okay. in the high school pool before school. Uh, two or three times a week, and yeah. and and I was getting good swimming sessions. I was swimming with high school swim coaches that knew what they were doing, and again, I was just trying to keep up. Um, but my swimming had improved drastically at at this point. Uh, but the idea of open water was something that Can't was going to be the new. bottom. There's no line to follow. Right. Right. Yeah. Sighting. Yeah. Sighting. All. All that stuff. Yeah. Did you? Did you go? Was it pretty smooth in there? Like you went right in and ripped it, or did you have to like stop? Like, did you have any problems? Any anxious moments? Yeah. Um. So I, I did the Pittsburgh Triathlon a few times, and okay. and I can't say that I remember that very first swim distinctly, but I do remember one of the swims at the in the Pittsburgh Triathlon having some anxiety having to take a few minutes and just breaststroke and talk to myself, talk mm-hmm. myself down, kind of regain my composure, which which was something that just happened to me many times in the water throughout my experiences as a triathlete. Right. Um, but it it always was more of a mental thing, you know? You, you get into outside your comfort zone and you just start to think too much. You start to think about things that you that you wouldn't normally be don't, thinking don't about. have any bearing on it too yeah Just right odd things yeah for and, sure and then all of a sudden you start to breathe faster and now you can't breathe and you can't keep your stroke and your rhythm mm-hmm. and and I did I did learn to breaststroke and and actually talk to myself um you know you can do this it's just water 
you swam in water before. Right. Um, and then, you know, a couple minutes later, you're back in your rhythm and, and you're, and you're ripping it. Right. right. A couple quick things there is <clears throat> we would always swim that one 300 set where we would do 75 free, a breast, back, breast, 75 free, best breast, back, breast. Yep. And I could never figure out why I would always be in front of you for a good portion of it. But anytime the breaststroke came out, yeah. you would dominate. Yeah. Like you became, <laughs> he was so good at it. I'm like, yeah. what the heck is going on? I can't keep up with him. You're making the headway there. And that's interesting that that was your safety stroke yep. that you would go to in situations where you felt like you needed to in the open water. Yeah. I mean, that that's a great connection that, that you make there because for whatever reason, uh, the breaststroke, just the, my mindset changes and I feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, Interesting. And, and everybody should have one. I mean, just as a, a yep. Sarge pro tip for, uh, for all of the listeners and the triathletes out there, everybody needs to have a safety stroke and practice that safety stroke in part of their training, whether it's, it doesn't have to be every single set, but there should be some effort put towards practicing it so that you can rely on it in a moment of panic in a moment of anxiety in a moment of distress because you got your goggles kicked off or you got kicked in the ear or something of that nature so that you can calm yourself fix your situation put your goggles back on with without a kayaker without a lily pad even though those are available yep. if you needed them but they may not be right there at the moment and to not upset your whole race to have to swim 20 meters off course to go find somebody to hold on to. So I think that's just a, a great point yeah. that you should be able to have it and practice it every once in a while so that it's ready to go. You have muscle memory and you can rely on it. Mm -hmm. Just, just curious how many different times throughout your triathlon career have, have you had to use that? Uh, so I remember in Pittsburgh once, Lake Placid, I had to. The one time I did Lake Placid. Um, one time in Eagle Man, actually in 2014, when Eagle Man was the only 70.3 that had Kona slots. Mm -hmm. That was one of my two races where I could qualify, and uh, I had to use it there. Uh, the, the story behind that one is they, at Eagle Man, at least, they used to put you in the water and then you were waiting there, right? Yeah. Well, the this, standing, standing start. Yes. Waist right? deep, right? I got so cold just being in the water early in the morning that I, when the swim started, I couldn't catch, catch my breath, right? And so I had the breast stroke until I got warm again and got comfortable. And then again, I, I was ripping it. So what there, there's probably at least four of them right there. And it's interesting too, it was later right? Like you'd been doing the sport for years Yep, yep. and you still had a moment and you were able to work through it and everything, but you had a plan. Yeah. Like you knew what to do and settled yeah. yourself down and you were okay. Yeah. And the, and the most recent one was last fall at, at Mighty Moraine. Um, whenever again, the water was cold, mm -hmm. I couldn't get comfortable. I, I couldn't get my breathing down. And I remember talking to Kenny before the race. I'm like, I'm having some anxiety here. I cannot breathe. I'm too cold. Kenny talked to me, got in the water, started the race, but I'm doing that breaststroke. And, and you know, as, as somebody that wants to compete, you know you're falling behind, right? right? But everybody has their journey, right? That's, right. That's what we talked a lot yeah. about in the first episode. It, it was interesting to me because I, I, was, I was getting, we had just prayed and we were getting the team all mm -hmm. situated. And, I, you know, I think in my mind, the last person I was focused on, I think <laughs> yeah. it was Ben, right? Right. And, and I hear my name being called and I turn around and he's coming flying at me. And I'm like, is he going to spear me? He's moving quick. Like something's <laughs> oh, going I, on. I saw it going down and I was like, whoa, and, and, something's yeah. going on here. And, and, and you were just like, hey, man, I'm just trying to. And I'm like, let's just settle ourselves. We've done this swim a lot. You know, mm -hmm. I think we might have said a quick prayer. You went about your day. But I think the interesting thing there in... And again, and that's why I love Ben so much is the elitist of elite that I look at still can have that day sure. when, hey, things aren't aligning, but I'm not throwing my day away. We're going to figure it out. If I right. can't throw a right punch, I'm going to throw the left mm -hmm. and I'm going to keep fighting until I go down. And sure enough, you know, thereafter, I mean, he wins, a, I think, an age group or wins something at the end of the day. That's right. And he started out the day of, ah, it's not my day so far in the water. Right. We're going to figure it out. 
all is not, let me get to the bike to Scott's point and just get me onto the bike and I'll start ripping it and hammering and I got you, you got the disc wheel. I, you. <laughs> I see you, Shane. What's up, brother? Yeah. Like I got you. But it, it was really interesting me that to me that one of somebody that I look at and I think, wow, this guy may win this race today, had that moment. And that moment has appeared in for people in our team oh, for yeah. the last three years. All the time. That out of nowhere, they never felt it before and there it was. Sure. So I think that that that's that's really good for our listeners to understand whether you're 50 races this could happen it happened to alice two years ago you yeah. know and you know it it, it happens and there's a little bit things. of um it, you know to help that reduce the frequency especially in the beginning of swims right you know having a good uh warm-up plan and some races you're able to get in water some some races you're not able to swim ahead of time so you yep. see people pouring bottles of water down their um wetsuit and some people are like, I wonder why they're doing that. Well, it's because it's cold water. It's getting in there. They're trying to get acclimated without having to be able to get in the water. So, you know, read the athlete guide, figure out what your pre-race warm-up is going to be. Some people use the bands to get the muscles warmed up. Some people do push-ups. Mm-hmm. Just do some push-ups to get warmed up inside your wetsuit if you know it's a jump in and you're going to hit that water yep. um, type thing. So, you know, it. It happens. It happens to everyone at some point, whether it's swim or it's some other aspect of the race, uh, butterflies, you know, anxiety, nervousness. Um, but, you know, figure it out. Uh, try to try to think it through ahead of time and then practice a couple things that might help you. Yep. For sure. So, Ben, now you're you're with Blue Sky now. So how how long have you been training with Blue Sky before you tow that line in a 140.6? Is it immediate? You came off the 70.3. You've now aligned with Blue Skies. You're training. You're riding. You're getting your confidence up. You're becoming a better swimmer. When do you say in your mind, now's time to go? I'm, I'm going. Yeah. So, um, my, so my first full, it wasn't an Ironman. It was a Rev 3. But my first full was prior to joining Blue Skies. It was over at Cedar Point. So that was still when I was sort of Such a good race, man. Loved it. I yeah, loved that race. Oh. race. I loved the Rev. I wish the Rev would come back. I mean, I, I, I really did. Yeah. So, and I mean... That venue at Cedar Point was mm-hmm. was awesome. I thought it was fantastic. And it's fitting. And I just put this because I'm learning that was your first 140.6. Yeah. That was the last 70.3 you did was in Ohio. Yeah. Back mm-hmm. in Cedar Point. So mm-hmm. it's almost like you came full circle. Yeah. Right. This. Right. Right. Um, so so whenever I joined Blue Skies, I, I think I raced Lake Placid um, with a Blue Skies kit. And, uh, and Lake Placid was, I mean, everybody knows Lake Placid, right? It's the granddaddy. Yeah. And I mean, what an amazing place, what an amazing race course, um, a challenging race course. And, and my experience at Lake Placid was, uh, my, my young, I have two sons, Luke is 12, Maddie's 10. Maddie was born two weeks before Lake Placid. Now you guys know back then so this would have been 2013 you had to sign up for well still with lake placid not every ironman but with lake placid you basically have to sign up a year in advance right oh yeah and sometimes at midnight the night it was opening yes it was going to sell out yeah we had to get an on-site registration in 12 just to race 13 yes right in lake placid to get that early reg and there was no like hey buy this insurance in case you can't make the race (laughs) you're in you're losing money (laughs) so so maddie is just a thought when i sign up for lake placid but a year later he's born two weeks before the race right so our plans go from oh the whole family will go and to the race and all this to okay ben and his parents are going to go up and do lake placid two weeks after Maddie was born. Right. Um, so, I mean, my wife was awesome about it. Obviously, she let me go. <laughs> um, but my training leading up to Lake Placid was very spotty because I have a two-year-old at that time. I have a pregnant wife, and I'm trying to get ready for an Ironman. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, it, and it, was, it was spotty. So I get up to Lake Placid, and... I'm finally, it's just my parents and, and me, and uh, I'm finally, let's say, in my element, in my zone, right? I'm able to focus. Um, I do 
the day before we do the practice swim, get out on the bike, you know, all the race prep that you do. And, uh, and the morning of Lake Placid, uh, it was, it was a beautiful morning. We had the, the rolling start where you kind of set yourself based on your pace. Uh, and mirror Lake it is, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. Mirror Lake. Beautiful. But for me, again, intimidating because of the size of the body of water and the number of people. Um, 3,000 of your closest friends on yeah, top of you. Yeah, right. Trying to find that that line. Uh, yeah, that's right. Everybody <laughs> wants to stay on the line. That's right. Right. So, so I have to figure out my place once we're in the water where I can find some clean water to swim in, right? Mm -hmm. And... And I did like the fact that it was sort of two loops. So you got out of the water yeah. and you got back in. Absolutely. That, that was good for some, somebody like me. Um, get out of the water and, again, get on the bike, and I just try to start hammering it. Um, and probably was a little naive to the, the hills of Lake Placid. I thought that... that training around Pittsburgh with all the hills would, would be in my favor. Um, and it, it was to a degree, but when I got off the bike, I said to myself, again, spotty training leading up mm -hmm. to it all, I said, the smart thing to do here would be to bail out because this is really hard. You know, I have a full marathon to run on this hilly terrain. And I, and I just said, you know what? Put one foot in front of the other. That's right. So I make it through the end and, you know, you finish there with the Olympic torch behind you. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the greatest finishes, we, we get back to, uh, to the hotel, my parents and I, and, uh, and my dad said, so what did you think? And, and, you know, I'm pretty humble guy. I said, you know what, dad, I am the effing man. <laughs> because for, because nice. for 26.2 miles, all I did was put one foot in front of the other. And you ran the whole thing. I think you told me you, you, yeah. that was yeah. one of your prouder races. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't a fast time. Right. It wasn't like a glorious day where people were like, well, look at that. I just finished. Yeah. You know? What did you ride the bike course on? If you, if you remember. It, yeah. it, it was a, a Cervelo. Yeah. But I mean, time what time-wise? Oh, you... I don't remember. I think it, it was, you know, for me, I always wanted to break five hours, but I couldn't break five <laughs> hours there. I, Holy moly. I, if I'm guessing, it was like five and a half hours. Wow. Yeah. That's even still banging, That's man. That's banging yeah. up there. I mean, yeah, that, I just that curious. Course, but I paid for it on that the That year, <laughs> that year was my first full Ironman, 2013 Lake Placid. And it's the only race that I've done that I remember where they stop you at the dismount line and they say lay your bike on the ground and uh -huh. we will get it for you so yeah. you only have to lift your foot like four inches because if you try to lift your leg over your seat everybody would instantly cramp right so they have you lay the bike flat on the ground and just step off of it and then they pick your bike up and take it to the rack for you yeah yeah it's incredible yeah incredible but i, I was just curious because of how strong you are if you've if you flirted with a sub five there, just I was curious. Yeah, I mean I can't say I remember my time exactly. No, but, it's but, and it's fine. Yeah, the one thing I do remember uh, the uh, so the, so the bike was two laps, right? It is. Yes, two and, laps. For and sure. you have that big descent, keen, keen um, descent. And on the second time around, it started to rain. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. I almost I almost crashed going down, and I had to to just kind of hold on and. Be like, okay, let's be a little bit smart. So I, was in that, I was in that race too, and yeah, and uh, he was like probably comfortably in on the run, or like you know, may have been he was way ahead of me. I didn't experience that downhill, like I was probably getting out of the water when you were on the second <laughs> loop. Like, so, when uh, on dry conditions on the first loop, yeah, like what's your keen descent? Like, uh, what's your keen descent miles per hour? I mean, I, I was do? letting it fly. I, I don't know, because I'm not looking down no, at that No, no, but point. You're, you're bombing it, yeah, right? Yeah, oh, you're yeah. dive bombing. Yeah. Are you an arrow the whole yeah. way? Uh, probably not, but I'm like I'm like those Tour de France guys where tuck. they tuck their, their butt under their seat and hold, oh. but, but hold on with two hands. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get every bit it. as low as I can. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. 50 miles an hour. Yeah. On a 14-pound on a bike. Yeah. No, right? Don't <laughs> think about it too much. So with you hurting that much in Placid, yeah. were you like done, like I'm done with this? Or was it immediately like round two's coming? Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, at, at that point in triathlon, it was how do I make this work with my young family so that I can 
be as good as I can possibly be. And, and the, the fire was lit. And shortly after that, um, Kona was the pinnacle and still is, even though, you know, they, they split it up now. Um, and so shortly after that, I had, my wife and I had a conversation and it it was like, Hey, I want to give this a legitimate shot one time. Um, do I have your blessing? And she said, yes. Uh, and that's when the Kona journey started. And, uh, it was, it was the hardest year of, uh, maybe I'll say like my life in terms of the training and the, the preparation and everything like that. Yeah. And, and that's when Chad had entered, entered your life. Yep. So, and, and yeah. so with the, with the blue skies at that point, so you're now on it, haven't hit your Kona bucket. How many of them have Schwabenbauer probably has. Oh yeah. They, I think they had all been to Kona. Maddie has, yeah. Chad has, Yep. Jeremy probably has Cornman. Yep. Beth shot, you know, and the interesting yeah. one, Hughes, if Hughes yeah. would have went oh. anywhere else oh. than Placid. Yep. He qualifies. Absolutely. I mean, Billy was was a great triathlete, and yeah, you're exactly right. He did Placid every year, and if he would have gone to just a little flatter course, he he would have qualified. And he was nine fifty, like nine fifty five. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he, he was flying it. up there. He just yeah. It's just a tough course. And Age just, group. It was just tough, and probably a little bit um, retrospectively, you know, looking at it. Did it fit him well? Right. Could, could another course fit somebody well? And we've had those conversations with our athletes yep. many, many times, even up to this week. Like, let's pick a course that's going to fit your style, your ability, your your capability, so that you're progressing, wins. right? Yeah. Instead of just running your head against a brick wall yeah. one, two, three times, let's let's move it around a little bit within reason. We're not flying too far away. Right. There's plenty of races now to find those and there's varied uh terrain Mm -hmm. in all these different races that are even here on the eastern half of the united states let alone going over the west coast so it's just a good point to make um you know but we certainly love billy and wished he would have been able to go with and and experience that i know he was really trying i mean there's no lack of effort it just was circumstances yeah yeah. At, at what point did you know Chad was your guy? You said something pretty chilling to me. Yeah. So, so Chad, like I said in episode one, everybody knew Chad. If you were into triathlon in Pittsburgh, yep. um, I mean, he was a lead, an elite triathlete, and he had gotten into now coaching. And you know, my my circle in triathlon was still fairly small, um, and so he was the one and only person that I went to 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 coach me. Um, and he and I talked on, on the phone, this would have been late 2013, um, about the goal that I had. And he, he laid out some of the, the plan that he would create. But the thing that, that I still get goosebumps about right now, I remember on the phone, he said to me, he's like, Ben, when you race Kona, you have to be focused every swim stroke, every revolution on the bike, and every stride on the run. And like for me, that was like, I am all in. (laughs) Like if you tell me I need to be dialed in every second for nine and a half hours, I'm all in. Like that's exactly the challenge that I was looking for from Ironman. And, And so... You know, it became very clear that that Chad was going to be the guy to help me. Mm-hmm. So now <clears throat> you've you've now taken over with Chad. Where do you go from now? So is your do you have a target of where you're going to try to make this this yeah. goal? Yeah. So again, young kids, you know, career things like that. I was still coaching track at the time uh, at Mount Lebanon. I had coached football, but had had given that up, um, and so. My opportunities were going to stay regional. I wasn't going to fly out to a race and things like that just because of the other responsibilities I had. So Eagle Man, 70.3, the only one that was given out Kona slots. And and I think it was only a couple years later that they stopped. Um, And then Ironman Louisville. So those were the the two races where I was going to try to earn a Kona slot. Um, I knew, and I think 
Chad knew that for me to get a slot at Eagle Man was going to be really hard because my swim just was not strong enough. Yeah. Right. The the bike is not long enough for me to make at that time. Um, but that was certainly a race that that was an opportunity. But mostly, I was putting all my eggs into one basket at Ironman Louisville. Leading into uh, Eagle Man, did you guys have that conversation? Like, was it grounded in some fundamentals of realistic expectations? Like, about, you know, he, here's spots where you're probably going to have some challenges. It probably will put yourself in a little bit of a hole and... So it's going to reduce those probabilities. I mean, still you give it a shot, but how much real or yeah. realism did you guys uh, kind of speak about? We did not have a conversation like that. And um, I don't, it, it's interesting because um, Chad was, Chad was an awesome coach and, and very motivational to me just because of what he had done in the sport um, and I don't know till this day what his um, thoughts were in terms of whether or not I would accomplish the goal of going to Kona, but he never made me feel like I couldn't do it. Right. You know, like he never said to me, now, Ben, Eagle Man's probably not the best place for you because of these reasons, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that, again, I don't know if that was something he intentionally didn't say to me. Um, and it, and it was really probably just my own um, reflection that I knew Eagle Man wasn't probably going to be the place. And, and I don't think I knew that on the day I was racing. I think I knew that afterwards. You know, the day I was racing, I was just going as hard as I could. So then did you have that conversation for Louisville? Um, it sounds like you, between you know, Placid and other venues, you strategically picked Louisville. I would imagine you guys had some dialogue around that. Louisville was strategically picked because of the swim, mm -hmm. because you swim in that little channel upriver, mm -hmm. but then three-fourths of the swim is downriver. So, right. you're, so you're catching the current. That was definitely strategically chosen, yeah. And, f and for the most part, flat. Um, you know, not nothing like Lake Placid. I mean, it, it has its own hills, but we knew that it would be a, a course that I could hammer the bike. So if I needed to make up time from the swim, I'd be able to do that. And then the, the run was flat as could be. So lean into your strengths. Exactly. Sorry, just point a little that's, bit ago. That's, yeah. you know, that's what we're talking about here, yes. right? Now, you know, Louisville traditionally at that time of the that time it's warm so yeah. as long as you're training up in the heat you're you know i know that you know we um personally have worn you know intentionally worn long sleeve under armor to run in when we shouldn't have just because we knew the race was going to be hot but if you were trained up for the heat then the course leaned right into you yeah it was perfect so um that's exactly what we are talking about with some of our athletes just to, just to get them to the next spot it's not that we don't believe they can do it we 100 percent believe that we can get them there for whatever they're trying to do um, but we can check boxes quicker make more progress get more accolades if we can you know engineer it slightly yeah and and it all depends on what your goals are you mm -hmm. know like I wasn't going to try to qualify for Kona at Lake Placid because it didn't fit me as a triathlete. Um, so Louisville did. And back then it was in August. And I remember when the day that I raced Louisville, the uh, heat index was like 103 or something. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was like my mindset was the hotter, the better because it'll break other people. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like I knew, I mean, I played division one football in North Carolina where you have two a days with full pads on. And, you know, yeah, like absolutely. it was for me, that was the type of thing that I could just conquer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. you entered that swim, clean swim. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in episode one, I talked about the race in Providence with my high school buddy and I was totally committed because, you know, we were kind of doing it together. Louisville. I mean, I was like razor focused and, there was no anxiety in the water. I got in and I swam basically as hard as I could for 2.4 miles. Um, and there was, Chad told me, you're going to have to be focused for every stroke, 
every revolution, every stride. And, and on that day I was, I mean, I was, yeah. And so then the bike, you killed the bike, crushed it, blew the bike. Yeah. That's got to be a sub five. It has to be. Yeah. Oh, I think I don't remember the time, but I do remember in the, the ceremony where they were handing out the Kona slots, the, the announcer said, Oh man, look at all, all four of these guys ran sub three and a half. Oh no, never mind. Cause I didn't run as fast as the other guys, but I crushed the bike. Mm-hmm. I crushed it. Did you know, at what point did you know you were having a day? From the moment I jumped in the water. I, I mean, it, it was like, and, and, and it was the only time that I, that I felt that in triathlon. I just. Your and, stars aligned. Yeah. And even like, I remember crossing the finish line and like bursting into tears, knowing that I had qualified. But now I look back on that. Now I'm like, should I have known that at that point? Like other people were still finishing. They may, have, but like. <laughs> In my mind, it was just going to happen. And you not that I was going to so like. Much, probably. Yeah. 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 Like I knew for a year that this is what the goal was. I knew that physically I could do it. I, I was confident in the coaching that I had for that year. And, and I did. It's, it's really interesting because it brings me back to something that, and Scott, maybe you can relate to this but our daughters went through when they were in competitive gymnastics and the coaches that we had them at Excel, they said, your daughters will actually be better at school because of the intensity of this athletic training that we're going to put them through. And it was daily. I think we were in there six days a week in that gym for hours with those girls. I mean, we had to take them there. We stood there and watched, but you know, and, and they would do their homework in the car, getting picked up from school on the way to practice so that the homework was done. And then they would go and practice for two and a half or three hours. And then they would come home and eat and then just rinse and repeat. But I'm, I'm bringing that up because, okay, you got this small, young family. Your wife's giving you with this like small window of time, this one year to make this happen. And you are laser focused on your workouts. Your coach is helping you get through those things. You're in this race. You're there that morning and it's all fitting together. It's all tight. Your kit's right. Your bags are right. There's no question when you're jumping in that water, oh, did I put this in my run bag or did I put this in my bike bag? Do I have this? There was no questions. That's how you race. That's really when you get to a race and you can be that confident in every piece of preparation and everything you've done, it's just a day. Yeah. Right. And it's a day. Yeah. It could be hot. It could be wet. It could be raining. It could be windy, but you, you grind it. Right. And we've done them all. We've done all the hot ones. We've done the wet ones. We've done the thunderstorm ones. We've done all that. But those are the races that you really are. That's why we're here. And all this other stuff is just getting us to those, the start and then to that finish. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the getting to the start, like that year of preparation was grueling. I mean, it, it was tough on my marriage because mm-hmm. every, our whole lives revolved around training. my training. And it's crazy to say that even for me to hear myself say that, but that was the commitment that I had. Um, and, and I mean, there were definitely training sessions where, I was, I was just spent. Like mm-hmm. I do remember um, going for a morning swim at, at one point, like in the middle of the year, and getting to the gym, getting ready, getting walking out to the pool, sitting down on the pool deck, ready to get into the water, and getting up and leaving and having to go home. And I was like, I just can't do this today. Like it, it was that intense that I got to that point. Um, but, uh, but it, I mean, it, it was quite a journey. Quite it's, a journey. It's tough when you want something so bad. Uh, I remember Darren Miller was coaching me for that that swim period of my life, and I called him and I said, Darren, I can't, I can't anymore. Yeah, I, I'm sick and tired of the chlorine. I'm stuck. 
And he's like, you got to go to another pole, go to any other pole than the ones you've been in. You got to show yourself a new chain of scene, a change of scenery go like, I, and I've been there where you just don't have it. Yeah. And then there's days when you have it and it all makes mm-hmm. sense. And, but I think that's what makes the tears at the end of your race that much special. Absolutely. Cause you didn't race that day knowing you had it. You raced knowing that day at maybe the Oxford club when I didn't have it, that's on my bottle and I'm going to remember that day. Yeah. My wife's saying, go do this. My, my boys, like, cause I, a part of me probably envisions that year you were probably a better teacher. You were more engaged cause you were compartmentalized knowing, Hey, I have this window. I got to do this. Then I got to teach. Then I got to be a father cause I've never known you to miss. You've missed track workouts or this cause you're coaching. Mm-hmm. Like you've always been, your boys take priority in anything you do, yeah. which is another, you know, unreal feat that you do, you know, the man you are and hearing you say, I knew it when I walked into the water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was going to happen. It's yeah. awesome, man. Hey Ben, was there a point in your training where that light bulb went off where you were like, I'm ready? Um, I, I think there was there was a progression to to knowing that I was capable. Um to be able to put in, let's say, the the miles and the laps and the um that I knew that my body was strong enough to go fast enough, long enough, um, became evident to me. And, and I think that's why I was as confident on the day of the race. Um, the, the, the mental grind that the year posed, um, I think made the race day mental grind much easier. Mm Um, it, I got to a point when I was really focused in triathlon where I was amazed at how you could go for a six-hour training ride and get home and feel like it was two hours, you know? And, and it's almost scary because you can, you can take part of your life and make it so much shorter. But mentally, I think that, you know, a lot of people that don't do triathlon, they're like, well, why do you do this? How can you do this for so long? Physically, it takes the, the physical skill, but mentally, I think you're able to shorten that time frame, right? And maybe you, you find ways to, okay, like you said before we started talking, when you look at the buoys out on the swim course, you're like, holy cow, that is far. But then you you just break it down into the different right. pieces, right? And and it, when you're able to do that, nine and a half, ten hours isn't quite as daunting, right? Yeah. Yeah, you eat the elephant one bite at a time. Yeah, right? you have to. Yeah. There's there's not really many people in the world that could could really absorb like okay, let's go for ten hours. Right. Some of us fifteen. Right. 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 Some people seventeen. Yep. Right. And that's why people come back at midnight to celebrate all those 17 hour finishes, because those are the people that have been out there a long time. Yeah. Those are the mentally tough. Yes. SOBs that have had to put it out there. Yes. That take that much time. And, and they're, they're accomplishing things just like every single other racer that day, just mm-hmm. different goals, just different aspects and a different perspective. We mentioned perspective in the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's awesome. Ben, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go right ahead. I what what time of year was Louisville? Do you remember? Like August. 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 Yeah. And so then for Kona, did you race it in October of the same year yes. or did you go yeah. full count? It was just so a few months later. Okay. And again, this was all like part of my plan in mm-hmm. terms of, I, I didn't have a lot of time to commit. I didn't have a lot of money to commit. It was like, here's 12 months, either make it happen or don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, so, so I qualified at Louisville and then um, just a few months later, months later in October, raced Kona. Yeah. That's awesome. I was, the reason I asked too, I was curious if your wife realized that the commitment goes beyond Louisville. There was that extra yeah. kicker at the end there. Well, yeah. the extra kicker was as short as possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So now you're you're rolling now. So your your fitness is up high. You're 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 targeting now Kona. Yep. 
So what does that look like? What all's going on? Because you know, I, I reading the blog that you had written about your journey there. Yeah, you know, you had a lot of stuff happening in that short window. Yeah, you know, maybe with a grandparent. I think you you yep. know you were talking about. So let's talk about that journey, your training that led you up there, getting there to Kona, and and you had some teammates you went there with too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so following Louisville, the the run up to Kona. Um, it, it wasn't like, hey, let's ramp this up again, because physically I was very fit already and it just wouldn't have made sense to grind for so long and then ramp up for such a short period and then mm -hmm. go race. Right. So it was more. And uh, as a high school math teacher, the school year was now starting. So now I got two young kids. <laughs> I got family. I got um, I'm. Well, I'm no longer coaching, but now I have my job again. Um, so it was kind of like, okay, let's maintain. Let's maintain to Kona and then go race. And and for me, Kona was, while I wanted to race well and compete, Kona was really the the trophy, right? Right. Louisville was really the great accomplishment. I went 934, I think, which was my fastest Ironman ever by far. Um and and Kona was an experience that I earned from the journey. Um, so leading up to Kona, and probably get a little emotional here, uh, my grandmother had passed away, and uh, she was like, so her husband, my grandfather, passed when my dad was just 18 years old. And my grandmother was a very strong woman. Um, she worked at a pizza shop in Oakmont, Tom and Eddie's Pizza. And I remember like going there, seeing her as a young kid working. Um, she raised her children on her own, basically. Um, and just, just a, a very strong woman. The, the story I like to tell is, uh, the grandkids slept over her house one time, and she's feeding us cereal for breakfast. We were not allowed to get up from the, the breakfast table until we drank the milk out of our bowl, right? Not just finish your cereal, now drink the milk, right? Um, she made sure that you appreciated what you had and mm -hmm. were thankful for what you had, right? Um, so she passes away. And the funeral was actually when I was in Kona. And I remember talking to my dad on the phone. <clears throat> asking for permission to go to Kona. And so I went and I rose, raced Kona for her. Beautiful. And the, the story that I told in my blog was when I got out of the water and you're running along Alihi Drive and it's lined with spectators, right? And so everybody loves that part, right? Beginning of the run, you feel pretty good, right? So I'm running and I have my sunglasses on and I'm crying, mm -hmm. right? And it was just a special feeling that I felt felt like she was. Mm -hmm. Oh, she was. Oh, they guaranteed. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you had me in your blog. I'm I'm reading it. I'm cruising, and all of a sudden, I could I could feel it. Like you said, you could feel the water just, and and you had the glasses on, and I could only imagine, you know, what you were feeling. And I use the term I can only imagine because that's what the Hoyts, the song that they always play, yeah. "Mercy Me," you know, what you felt like the loss the incredible loss the 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 so proud to honor her that way having your dad send off to do it it's incredible man 
Yeah, it, it was very special. Um, and, and this, actually, this is the nine-year anniversary of her passing and of my Kona experience. Um, so knowing that we were going to do this podcast, I've been reflecting on that some and, uh, and remembering her. So it's been special in that way, too. So what was that day like when you got there and you saw it and you punched that ticket to, to go get your trophy and all that you've worked to get there in that 10 to 12 year journey from the, the slippery rock try to the Pittsburgh try yeah. to this, to that, to seeking out people, to, to being humble to the point. Of, I don't know what I don't know, but I'm, I'm an athlete and I'll figure it out. Like, what was that day like for you? You know, let's, let's talk about your take on Hawaii. Cause hearing Maddie Mo talk about it, you just envision all that that is about. Yeah. I mean, the Kona experience was, was somewhat surreal. Um, to be there with the best triathletes in the world was like an amazing experience in of itself. And I remember going to, uh, to they so they have a, pr- a pool wherever all the athletes can go and practice swim mm-hmm. right um and i remember going there for a swim a few days before the race and uh leanda cave who was the 2012 ironman world championship uh we end up in a lane next to her and i'm thinking like this is awesome <laughs> so like every flip turn i'm like peeking over <laughs> like you know and uh and, and Craig Alexander at the time uh, was like the man, right. and and I really appreciated him as an athlete from what I knew from watching and listening to him. Um, Sebastian Kinley ended up winning the race that year, um, so so being there with the pros was very cool. Being there with the elite amateurs was just as impressive, um, you know. It's like any Ironman event, and you guys, you guys know this. You show up at an Ironman at check-in, and you're like, "These are my people," mm-hmm. you know. Oh yeah. You're like everybody's been along their own journey, but similar, similar. to mine, right? And and to put yourself in an entire, let's say, city of triathletes um, at the World Championships was was just very very cool i say it a lot to our people like when you go to your ironman race go to check in the village immediately because you get the intimidation factor out yeah right. the, the, i see a twenty thousand dollar bike and i'm riding hybrid you know like get right. that out of the way right they put their pants on the same way you do but they're your people they they're the ones that are not going on a happy hour at Friday and their friends are looking down on them because they have a long training on Saturday. They understand the walk in life that you're in and they respect that. So get in there. So it's kind of cool to hear you, hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, but it's, it's nice that you point out how intimidating it can be too. And like for me as, as an athlete, I always enjoy going to check in moving around the area for a little bit and then getting the heck out of there. Yeah. Because, because again, you got enough on your plate. If you start thinking too much that I think can become a a problem, you know, in, in talking to you over the years, you, you had, you had a moment as trained as you were and coming off that day you had in Louisville, you had a moment before the day even started that got a little sketchy. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so so Kona was my first ocean swim, which is a different animal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have have the waves, the current, the the salt water, um, and uh, and at Kona, and you can see everything. Yes, the the water is clear enough that you can basically see until you can't see anymore. It's not like normal open water. You look in and it's just dark, and you don't even know how deep the bottom is. Right. At Kona, you can't see the bottom but you can see. And so, so I had done one of the practice swims the day before and, uh, and I knew how intimidating that was to look down into the water and see the huge body of water that you were in. And so right before the race, Maddie Moe was, was doing the race, um, as well. And he and I end up in the bathroom together. And I, I said, Hey, Maddie, 
you know, the water out there is pretty clear. When, when you put your face down in and you see how deep it is, is that a little bit intimidating for you? And I remember him just saying, Ben, you've put in the training, you've swam the miles, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And that was like, it was almost like the, the switch for that Louisville focus. Like, don't start overthinking this. Go do and and I was fine. I don't I don't think I had any anxiety that day. Um, I do remember getting out of the water, just disgusted with the salt taste in my mouth. Oh right. man, that was different. Yeah, yeah. it's almost like uh, asking you how many times you swam at the bottom of the pool. Never. Yes. You swim at the top. Yes. Right. So it doesn't really matter how deep it is. Yes. Exactly. It, it's exactly. It, it is, but it is a different visual. Something you didn't experience. Yep. You didn't have any point of reference. Yep in your mind to, to go back to, which then triggers yep. your brain to start trying to figure things out, which it doesn't know what to do because right. it's never seen it before. So right. that is something that, again, we encourage people to practice. If you get a chance to get in the water, so get to your race ahead of time, get in the water at the practice area, wherever that is. Usually there's a place that's either on course or very close to being on course that you can get in and experience it the day before, two days before, so that you're not doing it the day of the race. Yeah. It's definitely something that can come up. Yeah. But it's, well, a, it's a cool thing because when you see some of the videos from Kona, especially when they can catch a sea turtle swimming underneath all of you or fish that are swimming underneath all of you, um, it's, it's just a very neat place. Yes. Very well, neat. Well, I love the fact that your first open water swim was Pittsburgh try your first saltwater <laughs> swim, swim is, is Kona. Kona. Yeah. But you're not wrong. I mean, when I, when I did the Tampa, I lost a 12 hours in the water, less layers of skin on my lips. It is like something you've never, it, it's really good cause it's buoyant. You're going to move quicker, but that in your mouth, you get out of the water and you're like, Whoa. Yeah. It, it, it's tough. So, so you move to the bike now. Yep. And, and your blog again, legitimately, I read nothing normally. Like I say, I'll tell you, I've not, I think the last book I probably had to read was in high school. I'm just not a reader. <laughs> like if you, I'll listen to anything. And I read your blog word for word because it hooked me. It had me. I was interested. Your bike sounded like it was probably going to be your worst bike you ever had. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh man, it's going to be six hours, six and a half hours. Cause the headwind uh-huh. was horrific. Yeah. Okay. And then the nugget at the end, I was like, <laughs> oh, he, I think you went sub five again. Right. I, I don't know. I don't did. remember. Did I? You did. And your blog, oh, I think it was like a 452. Yeah. 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 But, but leading up to that, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, and I want you to tell us about it, but I'm like, wow, these headwinds, I can only imagine, because I think you said you had to stand up at some point yeah. to try to get the power to get through them. Yeah. And then when you made the turn, it kind of, the, the, the switch again flipped for you. Right. So, so tell us about the bike, how you felt, because you're on there a big part of your day, the streets, what you saw, you know, your energy, how you were feeling, yeah. the headwinds, tailwinds, like all of that. Yeah. So, so on the way, on the way out on the bike course, the, the headwind was, was brutal. And, and I think I had experienced headwind in other races, but this was different. Right. This was, this was like, oh man, I'm working so hard and not getting that, not getting the motivation of feeling like I'm getting somewhere, you know? Um, and, and then, then we had the crosswinds, the trade winds, and I remember in arrow looking up and seeing the bikers in front of me literally tilted into the headwind sideways. And, and I could feel myself leaning into to the, the crosswinds. Um, and I had to just, it was almost like talking to yourself in the water when you have that anxiety. You're like, just relax. It's the same for everybody. Stay in arrow as much as you can and keep pedaling, right? Oh, one step in front of the other sort of thing. That's right. Um, and then when you hit the turnaround, those headwinds become tailwinds and everything changes. Um, and I, I remember, you know, we talked to, about um, the descent at Lake Placid. Right. The tailwinds are almost like descending at Lake Placid. I mean, you end up holding on just so you don't crash because you're going so fast. Um, and, 
So, yeah, I, I remember. And I remember coming back into, you know, into, um, into Kona and there was a, uh, a photographer on a bike on a motorcycle and it was me another rider in the race and then the photographer and at that point you're like you're like i'm the man you know? <laughs> heck yeah uh, i'm the yeah, man yeah so channeled back to his dad i'm the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> uh, so yeah i mean the, the the bike was was a great experience and what a place to to ride to just get out and ride mm-hmm. yeah it's incredible it's good stuff Really so now you stuff. take off to the road. Yeah. So now I'm Do you on... feel the heat? Did you feel it on your feet? Like everyone always talks about the heat. Yeah. You, you feel it. So so that year in Kona was not it was not as hot as Louisville, where I qualified. Um yeah. And so bonus. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Or non bonus for him. He wants to break people. No, well, he's yeah, still, that's still true. take a bonus. Yeah. Um so yeah, out on the run again. I, I had that experience in the first several miles with, with the thoughts of my grandma, and and that really carried me for for a while on the run. Um, but of course, it gets hard. Um, you do get to the energy lab, and and I remember going into the energy lab and uh, seeing a Red Bull station and thinking like, I don't need that. I feel great. And coming out of the energy lab, wishing I had grabbed some Red Bull. <laughs> um, I mean that that was that was a, a difficult part of my race there. Going in feeling as good as I did, and coming out feeling as badly as I did. Um, but I remember sort of late in the run, maybe with I don't know ten miles to go. Um, again, thinking back to my grandmother. And I knew I was on pace that I had a shot to break 10 hours. And 10 hours, you know, is was, was kind of like that mark that if you can break it, you know, you, you go for it. Um, but the year had been such a grind. And, and I was so proud of myself for what I had accomplished that I thought to myself, I can really go after these last 10 miles and really hurt myself like in a good way and try to break 10 hours or I can enjoy these last Celebrate. 10 miles. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe pull back a little bit and sacrifice the accomplishment of breaking 10 hours, but also leaving something on the table to maybe come back one day mm. later. Hey. Whoa. <laughs> hey. 70.3. Uh, we just, just dropped a nugget hey. on Victory Multisport Podcast. No, but but <laughs> but like for for me and and a lot of us, we're so driven and we're just always trying to achieve that it was actually an accomplishment for me to decide to pull back and enjoy those last 10 miles. I, I love it because it's a it's a phrase that Kenny uses almost every race for our guys. And he's like, have a day. Yeah. It doesn't say kill yourself. It doesn't say, you know, it, it, it implies have a day. Have yeah. the greatest day you can have for whatever that is. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the experience. Um, if if you're on a bubble of competitive accomplishment and that's what you're going to do, then have that day and 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 break that ten or yeah. or break that twelve or break a sub six in a in a seventy point three or a sub five if that's what you're on. But have a day and and enjoy the whole thing because you know this is this is a sport where you want to come back, mm-hmm. you want to go do the next one, you want to try again. Yeah, and whether you want to do it in a different way or a different place. You want to, you know, go overseas and try a different venue or you just want to come back and maybe improve Yeah. or, or not have a flat or not, you know, have some, you know, something that, that stubbed you yeah. a little bit, stumbled you a little bit. And, and you good. made a great comment before we started on the air about triathlon can be a lifestyle, right? And, and if you're constantly crushing yourself to achieve that faster time, that's not that's not always going to be a fun lifestyle right. job. But yeah, but if you if you take the the accomplishments and and also enjoy the journey, mm-hmm. that's whenever it's sustainable. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. 
I was I, I saw you at flag football last winter, two yeah. winters ago, and I got to meet your boys. Yeah. And uh I, I wonder do they know like how cool you are and like what you've <laughs> done? Do do they understand that, you think? Um no, because I'm their dad, you know. Right. I, I think yeah, I think you're the they, embarrassing guy. Like. I think they understand it more from like a Division One football player perspective, having gone to Duke and like, especially my older one, Luke. He's a big Duke fan, um, and and I think he understands it more from that. They were so young with when I did Kona, and and I have some great pictures. I w- I was looking back through my blog too before coming today. Um, you know, Luke, I think was, was three and Maddie was one. Right. And, and there's a really cool picture, um, of them standing in front of the TV when I'm crossing the line at Louisville and they have their hands up on the TV and, and that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and then probably the coolest picture I have and the caption on my blog, it, it, it's heartwarming for me. It's Luke in his car seat in the car with my Kona medal around oh, yeah. his neck. Mm-hmm. And he says, Dad, why did you win this for me again? <laughs> yeah. But So I don't think they know, but hopefully someday they'll read the blog. And, well, yeah. what, what tends to happen from my experience, and this hasn't necessarily happened to me, but other people I know, is when they go to college yeah. and they start to get people outside of their current community and their current friend set and other people and it comes up yeah and they're like man because other people will tell them holy crap your dad did kona my dad tried or my you know that's always been a goal like other people know information our kids are all ingrained and in, oh yeah yeah that's dad he does that stuff yeah i don't know what it is but you know, they make us go to the race. That's what my kids say now. They have to go to the race uh-huh. and watch them do it, right? Yeah. Now, they do enjoy that, but that's what I've found is when they get outside of their normal community and start interacting with other people, it'll come up. Yeah. And then they come back to you when they're 30 and say, man, did you really do all that? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, it's funny because Ian's starting to now get it because I've been mm-hmm. taking him to lift at the YMCA in... Uh, um, Dale, the, the guy that walked into the pool today, yeah. he, he's a school teacher at Zillianople. He swims with these big fins on great swimmer. And, uh, I was lifting with E the other day and he came up to me not knowing he was, uh, my stepson. And he goes, Oh, is this guy with you to me? And, and Ian goes, yeah, that's, that's my stepdad. And he goes, I didn't recognize him because he has clothes on. And Ian was like, what, is <laughs> what, 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 what are you doing, Kenny? You know? And I'm like, I swim with him. He sees me in my speedos. Yep. That's what he was getting at. Yep. But they're starting to put two and two together. And and I just think that's cool. I always re- referred to Ben in our circles as Clark. I always called you Clark Kent, you know, because when you were in the water, you were like Superman. But I always loved it because he'd put his like math teacher gear on. I'd always see you. It had the khaki pants, you know, yeah. The, the, yeah. You know the button dodge. He was reverse. He had to change into it. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, had to, he had to change into it. But uh-huh. he was the Clark Kent at the Oxford Club. Yeah, for sure. That's cool stuff. It's really cool. And I, I think your kids will will understand it. I know all of our kids will will understand it. And it's really some of the basis for Kenny and I starting and was to show them that there was more to just buying a house and having a family. Like not that's great. That's that's obviously a big thing to do. But we wanted to show them more. We wanted to show them that things are possible, that if you work hard you're gonna you can accomplish things. Whether that our our method of doing that was through triathlon and running and doing marathons they're now hopefully translating that to their schoolwork and their college and and all yep. that type of stuff so um hopefully that brought them along I, we believe that we've planted the seeds yeah in all of them yeah it's, so. it's interesting before you mentioned about your bike rides with your dad you just never know what's uh landing yep but you hope the good stuff does absolutely yeah. start with an oakmart bakery donut to yep. a donut and chocolate milk that's yeah. right yep <laughs> Yeah. Well, Ben, thanks for sharing your. Hey, Sarge, I gotta, I gotta bring one more else? thing up. Yes, Sorry. it'll take a take a minute. I didn't know this one was coming. I didn't either until he said I might have left it on the table in case oh, I go yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Ben is competitive. So if he has that window in there that he may be like, maybe I'll revisit it. I was calling him one time to do a workout of some sort. And he's like, yeah, I'm on the shelf for a little bit. I said, so what happened? He's like, I got hired back with Bob Pelko at the Mount Lebanon football. 
first day at practice, he goes, I was getting into it with the kids. Like, cause he's, com- he's a competitor. That's he right. wants to show them. I'm going to lead from the front. He, he's like, yeah, I blew my Achilles. T- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. His Achilles, right? Yeah. So, so what I'm getting at now, let Sarge close us out is yeah. I think you having that window still open, even when you showed up at Ironman, Ohio in your first second victory race, untrained half trained it was a 504 mm-hmm. and he stayed around and waited for everybody shane in particular you make sure everyone's good that that window is still going to be opened and you know you have all of us and all of our athletes will be salivating knowing that they get to run in the same wolf pack as you and that the window is going to be open there it's going to be pretty cool well i i appreciate that and i mean like we said triathlon is a sport that can become a lifestyle you can do it for a long time and you guys having created victory and the atmosphere and the environment and the family it allows people to sustain triathlon and be part of that not just for for the the physical uh, race, but for the camaraderie and the friendship and the family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We appreciate that, Ben. Thanks for your observations. And that's what we always strive for. And that, you know, we see it showing up. We mentioned last episode where fans are other athletes, not racing drive five and a half hours to go spectate for their teammates. And that's, that's, that's very telling and we're proud of it. So Thank you very much for telling your story, bringing us all the way up through and and through that just incredible experience that you had at Kona, celebrating your massive win in Louisville that year, um, working on that short window of time with the fam and, and yeah. understanding that res- responsibilities uh, are always going to be there, but there is ways to manage through them and always... Uh, leaving a little bit on the table to come back and do a repeat. So thanks for that, Ben. Well, thanks for having me. It's been an honor. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right. You've been listening to the Victory Multisport Podcast. Please follow us on Spotify, Apple, or iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll talk to everybody soon.